last week uh, we kicked off um, this uh, part two of this of the semester, and we were able to talk about uh, really the priesthood, and and it was such a powerful message. I mean, who enjoyed last Sunday? Didn't Pastor Bobby bring the word last week? And so it was a really uh, awesome Sunday, and and so we're continuing that thought, and we're going to week two of uh, in this syllabus, and we are talking about the consecration of a priest, the consecration of a priest. Can you stand to your feet? We're going to jump into the Word together. Uh, we are going to jump into Exodus chapter 29. That is where we're spending time uh, this morning, and we are going to be taking a look at the consecration process that a Levitical priest went through and how it applies to our life as the royal priesthood. So that's what we're going to be talking about uh, this morning, and we're going to pick up in verse 44. We're going to pick up in verse 44, and uh, if you're there, I'll give you some time to get there, but this is the Lord talking to Moses, and uh, he is telling them about what the priests should go through to be consecrated uh, to serve in the tabernacle. So we start in verse 44. God said, yes, I will consecrate, everybody say consecrate, the tabernacle and the altar, and I will consecrate, come on, one more time, everybody say consecrate, Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests, and then I will live among the people of Israel and be their God. Who's thankful we serve the one true God, the name of Jesus, the Lord of Lords, and the King of Kings this morning? He said, they will know that I am the Lord, their God. And I am the one who brought them out of the land of Egypt so that I could live among them. I am the Lord their God. The title for this morning's message, you can turn to your neighbor and say, The Foundation of Consecration. Come on, one more time. Say, The Foundation of Consecration. Okay, with that being said, let's pray over this service together. Right now, God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you, Father, that you have instructed us for a reason, that you put this word on my heart for a reason. God, you have led every word. You have led every moment. So, Father, have your way this morning. We thank you for chains being broken. We thank you, God, for minds being freed. We thank you right now that we break any barrier. We break any stronghold. We deny every lie, God. We reverse every curse right now. We are a spirit-filled church. We follow after the name of Jesus. We follow after the leading of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, have your way in this service. God, let there be a word be spoken. Let there be a demonstration be made that changes the lives of the individuals that we don't have to leave this place as the same way we walked in as, but we can leave this place, God, encouraged, empowered, and set free by the name of Jesus. So, Father, have your way in this place. We love you so much. We are here this will grow closer to your son. We love you, Jesus. And everybody says, amen, amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise if you're excited to be in church. And you can be seated. You can be seated. You can be seated. Thank you all for standing in honor of the reading of God's word. So we talked about uh, previously, we've touched on it even in the uh, part one of this semester. We talked about how Aaron um, and his descendants, uh, the tribe of Levi, how they were consecrated from the rest of the tribes by God uh, to be the priest in the tabernacle. Uh, we talked about how only the tribe of Levi uh, could become priest. And so because of that, uh, they lived consecrated lives. They lived uh, lives that were set apart 
lives that were different from everybody else. Um, and then they were the ones who practiced uh, the responsibilities of a priest. Uh, they were the ones who performed the sacrifices. They were the ones who kept up with the tabernacle. And they were the ones uh, who prayed on behalf of the people. Because really the, the main responsibility or, or really identity of a Levitical priest was to be the people's representative uh, to God. That they were representing the people. They were representing the nation of Israel to God. And so that is what, uh, in the Old Testament, that is what the tribe of Levi was. But we also talked about previously how in the new covenant, uh, because of Jesus, our high priest, he is the one who fulfilled the law, and he was the one who offered the final and perfect sacrifice that now you and I, by the blood of Jesus, we are now kings and priests. We talked about last week how we are a royal priesthood. And just like how the tribe of Levi lived consecrated and different, in the same way, you and I, we are called to live a life of consecration. Everybody say consecration. We are called to live a life of consecration. So what does that mean? Does that mean that we need to live as monks? No. Does that mean we need to sell all of our possessions? No. But what that does mean, all really consecration means is that we are living a life where we make God number one in our life. That is what living consecrated means. Because I guarantee you this morning that if God is at the number one of your priority list, then you are going to live a life that is consecrated to him. Right? Because if God is not the Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. God has to be number one in your life. That is what consecration means, us putting God number one. But before we get too religious about it or, or too ritualistic about it, let me stop you to, to know this, that consecration, it's not a contest. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not a contest. Consecration isn't about who knows the most or who prays the most. Consecration isn't about who's memorized the most scripture. Consecration isn't about who has fasted the longest. That's not what consecration is about. It's not about us being in contest with one another. That's not what it's about. See, that is where the Pharisees and Sadducees missed their mark. Because they got so caught up in religion, they got so caught up in the contest of things that they were in competition with one another saying, I am holier than you. I am better than you. Saying, I pray more than you. I memorize all these things. They were so blinded by religion that when God wrapped in flesh appeared in front of them, they were so blinded by religion that they couldn't even see the God they supposedly were consecrated to. That's what religion can do to you. It can make you blind to the presence of God. So consecration isn't a contest. It's not about who's better than who. It's not about who knows the most. All consecration is, when you boil it down, all consecration is, is saying, God, I'm going to choose to live for you every day. That's what consecration is. A daily decision to live for God and to put him number one. That's what consecration is. Because I guarantee you, if you put God number one in your day, you're going to find time to pray. Right? If you put God number one in your life, you're going to come to church, right? If you put God number one in your life, you're going to find the opportunity when you can to give him worship and to give him praise. Why? Because you're living a life of consecration, and that's what you're called to do. Amen? And so that's what consecration is all about. It's us being devoted and committed to God. So what we're going to do this morning is that we're going to take a look 
at Exodus chapter 29. And in this chapter, it's all about uh, the consecration of the priests. And it's all really what this chapter is about. It's almost kind of like a boot camp uh, for young men from the tribe of Levi to go through to be consecrated and qualified to be a priest. That's really what this chapter is all about. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to walk through it and look at it and see the things that they did and how it applies to us. Come on, if you're ready for it this morning, give Jesus a shot of praise. Say, I'm ready. So we're going to jump into Exodus chapter 29, verse 4. Exodus chapter 29, verse 4. And this is the instructions that God is giving to uh, the tribe of Levi. He said, present Aaron and his sons at the entrance of the tabernacle and wash. Everybody say wash. Washed him with water. So the very first thing that these young men had to do to be consecrated to God, the very first thing that they had to do was to be cleansed and washed by water, signifying that they are clean and in right standing with God. Now, there's a few things that kind of stand out to me in verse 4. And what really stands out to me is when it says, present Aaron and his sons at the entrance. Everybody say entrance of the tabernacle. He said when they are going to be washed, they're to be washed at the entrance, not in the privacy of their own home, not inside the tabernacle where nobody could see them and they can do it privately. No, if they are going to be consecrated and washed, God said go and wash them at the entrance of the tabernacle in the view of the public eye. Because at the entrance of the tabernacle, everybody could see you. You weren't hiding nothing out there. That was the center of the camp. That was the center of everything. And so if you were washing yourself at the, at the entrance of the tabernacle, you were not hiding what you were doing. I think that was signifying that if they were going to live a life of consecration and committed to God, then they had to be willing to give up a life consumed by the opinion of men. I think too many times we are so caught up in pleasing people, impressing people, making sure we look good in everybody else's eyes. We're so consumed by that, trying to please everybody else, that we have no more energy or time left in the day to please the one person that really matters, and that's God. But for us to live a life of consecration means that we have to be willing to give up the opinion of men. Because let me tell you right now, and you already know this if you live a life of consecration, People who aren't a part of it or aren't a believer, they are very confused by consecration. They're saying, wait, hold up. How many times do you go to, go to church? You don't just go once a month or once a year. What? You go to church all the time? They're confused by it. They say, wait, wait, you're going to be praying again? Why, why are you praying again? They're confused. They don't, they don't understand. Or, or what you're, while you're, you put on worship music in your car, why are you do, what, what are you doing? They don't understand. But then that's when we have to know and that's how we have to walk and say, look, I don't pray so I can impress people. I don't go to church so that I can please others. No, I go not so that they can understand and so that way I can impress and so that way I can make everybody like me. No, I live a life of consecration not for people. I live a life of consecration not for society. I live a life of consecration not to please anybody else but God. Come on, who wants to please God this morning and say, I want to live a consecration for him? And so for us to be able to live a consecrated life, we have to give up the, the prison and the trapping of the opinion of men. We have to give that up or that. We will be held in that. A second thing I took from and, and 
verse 4, it says that when the priests were washed, they didn't do the washing themselves. Because if I'm that pre or you know, future priest, they ask me to wash myself, like, hey, look, don't touch me. I got it on my own, right? I'm a grown man. I can wash myself, right? But it said that they had to get somebody else to wash them for them. They, they couldn't do it by themselves. Somebody else had to step in and clean them. I know this for a fact, that it doesn't matter how many times you go to church. It doesn't matter how many verses you have memorized. It doesn't matter how many things you have done. You cannot clean the stain of sin on your own. It doesn't matter how many works you've done. It doesn't matter how many things you have done right. You cannot clean the stain of sin by yourself. But thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to try to win appreciation or win salvation. No, all we have to do is accept Jesus because Jesus came. And even though we had the stain of sin on our lives that we can't clean on our own, you can't clean that stain just because you're a nice person. You can't clean that stain just because you have John 3.16 memorized. No, you clean that stain not by yourself but by God coming down and you accepting him. And what he did for us, it cleanses the stain of sin. Is anybody in the house thankful for the blood of Jesus or this me? Because I know this for a fact that if Jesus wasn't there, we wouldn't be here. But it took Jesus, who lived a sinless life, the blameless lamb, the spotless lamb, to be the sacrifice, the final sacrifice, to go to Calvary, to go to the cross that we deserve, to, to experience the pain that we should have paid for. He did it all for us. He, he experienced the death that we should have died. He went to hell for us. And on the third day, he rose again, defeating death, hell, and the grave. Now you and I are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Come on, if you're thankful for the blood, give him a shot of praise this morning. That's point one for this morning is that we are cleansed by the blood. Everybody say we're cleansed. We are cleansed by the blood. It doesn't matter how many works you do. It doesn't matter how good you think you are. It doesn't matter if you have a, a degree in divinity. It doesn't matter if you have the whole book of Revelation memorized. It doesn't matter. If you don't have the blood of Jesus, you're not cleansed. But all you need is the blood of Jesus. All you need is to accept him. All you need is to say, God, I know I'm not perfect, but you are. God, I'm not, I'm not able, but you are. God, I, I know I've fallen short, but God, you make up the dis difference by the name of Jesus. And we accept him in our life, and then we are cleansed from our sin. And what is encouraging to me about that is that some people come to me and say, well, you know, Pastor CJ, I want to live a life that's consecrated and dedicated, but, you know, I'm not perfect. You know, I, I've only been a Christian for uh, a few months or a few years, or I feel like I, I don't really understand the Bible, and I feel like I can't really live consecrated and, and right until I have all these things figured out. Let me encourage you with this. All you need to live a consecrated life is the blood of Christ. That's all you need. Don't think that you have to have all things figured out before you start living right. Don't think that you need to have all these things together, all these things memorized. Don't think that you need to have all these degrees behind your name before you can live a life that is different from the world. No, all you need to live differently and consecrated is the blood of Jesus in your life. That's all you need. There needs to be a stark difference in your life where you say, this is how I lived 
before Jesus, but this is how I'm living after Jesus. This is how I was before the blood, but this is how I am after the blood. There needs to be a stark difference. Why? Because once we are cleansed, once we have been made new, we've got to live differently. Amen? We've got to make sure that we're following after Christ. So when we are cleansed by the blood, we don't put our old self back on. When we are cleansed by the blood, we don't put on our old thinking back on. We don't put our old habits back on. No, when we are cleansed by the blood, then we know without a shadow of a doubt that we are a new creation. The past is now dead. Sin is now dead. All the things that you're thinking about in your mind right now, stop thinking about because it's dead and it's done. The blood of Jesus covers everything. And so when we are covered by the blood and cleansed by the blood, we're not meant to put our old man back on. But it says in Scripture that we are a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 says this. It says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. See, it says, when you are saved, when you are covered by the blood of Jesus, something happens that is beyond the power of the human perspective. Something happens in the spirit. Something happens in eternity. It says, at one point, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view and how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new, everybody say new, a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Come on, if you're thankful that you're a new creation in the name of Jesus, come on, give him a shout of praise. Because only Jesus can do that for you. All the old things are gone. All the old things are dead. See, if you were somebody who was messed up and jacked up before Jesus, guess what? You don't have to live that way anymore after Jesus. If you were somebody who was addicted before Jesus, guess what? After Jesus, you can be set free. After Jesus, you can be anointed. After Jesus, you can walk in a whole new identity. After Jesus, he cleanses us from our past, from our mistakes. He gets us ready for what he has for us. See, if before Jesus, if we were a victim, after Jesus, we are now a victor. We are a child of God. We are more than a conqueror. We have to know who we are in Christ. God's not waiting for you to be perfect before he puts a purpose on the inside of you. No, he sees you in your mess. He sees you in your mistakes, but yet he still puts a mission on you saying, I can still use that person. I can still use that son or daughter. Yeah, they might not be there yet. Yeah, they might not be perfect yet. Yeah, they have all this long process to go through, but I'm not looking where they are now. I'm looking where they're going to be tomorrow and the next day. I'm looking at their future. And that's what God does for us. He doesn't wait until you have all things together before he calls you. He doesn't say, hey, before you can be used by me, you first need to go through all of this and hump, jump through all of these hoops. And you, no, all you need is to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And once you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, now you have a calling. Now you have a purpose. Now all things that were old have become new. And now you're able to say yes to Jesus and the purpose he has for your life. But who's thankful for the grace of God? You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. But it's because God believes in you. I'm so thankful that God believes in us more than we do, right? I'm so thankful that God sees more on the inside of us than we do. Because can I tell you this? I wasn't envisioning this plan for myself. I wasn't thinking I would be here for myself. And I'm sure you can say the same thing about yourself, that if it was up to you, you wouldn't have planned it this way, you wouldn't have done it this way because you would have said, there ain't no way that's possible. But God saw what was on the inside of you. God sees the calling on the inside of you. God sees the identity on the inside of you. And he says, even though you haven't qualified for it yet, I'm going to clothe you in it anyways. Even though you haven't earned it yet, I'm going to call you to it anyways. 
You don't have to wait until you're qualified. You're just going to say, I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus, and now I'm taking a step in the right direction. I might not be who I want to be, but thank God I'm not who I used to be. Thank God I'm not stuck in sin. Thank God I'm not stuck in the prison of a pit. No, I am set free by the blood of Jesus, and that's all you need. We have to understand our identity in him. What he clothes us in. And that's point two for this morning is that we are clothed. Everybody say clothed in identity. We are clothed in identity. Those young Levitical priests who hasn't qualified yet, even though they haven't finished the process, they were still clothed in their identity. God still clothed them in it. When we say yes to Jesus, he clothes us. He wraps us in a new identity. He makes us a new creation. He calls us son and daughter. That is why we live consecrated lives. Because it's not what we do, it's who we are. We have a new identity now. We've been wrapped in a new identity. We are different now. That after we say yes to Jesus, we live for Jesus, not because we've earned it or deserve it, not because we did the right things, but because now God has done something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. And the response to that, the only response to salvation, the only response to grace, the only response to mercy should be, God, I commit my life to you. That's our response. I'm going to live consecrated for you. I'm going to live differently for you. I'm going to live in the identity that you have for me. We can't get caught up in trying to get our identity from the world or identity from people or society. Because they don't know who you are. And I, can't, I don't know if you've noticed now, the definition is always changing. But the only thing... That is a firm foundation is the name of Jesus. If you want to build your identity, don't build it on what the world says you need to build it on. Because their definition is always changing. If you want to build an identity, don't build it on what your friends say or what people say. Build it upon the word of God. Build it on saying I'm a child of God. And build it on saying I'm consecrating myself to Christ not to please everybody else but to please God. Amen. Come on, if you love Jesus, give him a shout of praise this morning in this place. See, even when the world is saying we are not, know that God is saying that you are. Knowing, know that God is cheering you on. You might be in this place this morning and saying, Pastor CJ, I am lost. I made mistake after mistake. I have been doing on the wrong path for so long. I don't know if I can go back to how it was or go back to how I used to live for God. And no, let me tell you this right now. It doesn't matter how many steps we've taken in the wrong direction. That's what I love about Jesus. It doesn't matter how long we've lived in rebellion. It doesn't matter. All it takes is one step in the right direction, and we're right back on track with God. I want to encourage somebody this morning. This is for somebody. You don't need to earn your way back to that promise. You don't need to earn your way back to that calling. You might be saying, Pastor CJ, I messed it up. I'm not worthy of the purpose I used to have. No, 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 no. Don't be confused. Don't be lied to. You don't need to earn it back. All you need to say is say, God, forgive me, but that now that I'm covered by the blood, it's in the past, and let's get back on the purpose and get back on track. And you're right back where God wants you to be. That's all we need is the blood of Jesus, and he clothes us in identity. Verse 7, as we continue, we're almost done, guys. Verse 7 says, then anoint. Everybody say anoint. Anoint him by pouring the anointing oil over his head. 
So if you're keeping track, the first step is that they had to be cleansed. The next step is then they had to be uh, clothed. And then lastly is that they need to be covered by the anointing. We have taught this many times before, but anytime you see the anointing oil in Scripture in the Old Testament, it is a reflection of the Holy Spirit. It's a reflection of the Spirit of God. It signifies God's Spirit upon them. When David was anointed by Samuel, it says the power and the Spirit of God came upon him. When Elijah, when Elisha was anointed by Elijah, it said the Spirit of God came upon him when he was anointed by oil. Anytime we see that in Scripture, know that it is signifying the Holy Spirit. That for these men, young men from the tribe of Levi, that if they were going to live a life of consecration, they not only had to be cleansed, they not only had to be clothed, but they had to be covered by the Holy Spirit. That if they were going to live consecrated, it wasn't enough this for them to be cleansed or to wear priestly garments and look like it, but they had to have the power of God on the inside of them. They had to have the power of God for them. In the same way, for us to live a life of consecration, we have to have the Holy Spirit. Or more correctly speaking, the Holy Spirit has to have us. We have to be able to be in touch with the comforter, with the guy, with our teacher, with, with the, the, the Holy Spirit who directs our paths. We have to be able in line with the great comforter and helper. Why? Because without him, this life of consecration is impossible. I don't know if you've ever tried it before because, because I know I have. If you try to live right without the power of God, it's impossible. Only God gives you the power and the ability and the authority to live a life after him. If you try to do it on your own, if you try to say, oh, I'm just going to do this on my own way, my own thinking, you're going to miss the mark. We can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can only do that through the, through the interceding and through the guiding of the Holy Ghost. We can only do that by God leading our steps. Come on, if you're thankful for the Holy Spirit and what he does for you, come on, give, him a sh give Jesus a shout of praise this morning. Because it's by the anointing, it's by the authority. Scripture says it's not by power, not by might, but it's by the Spirit that we're able to find victory. So if you're living on your own right now and you're trying to do this life of Jesus without the power of God, let me say you're, you're fighting a losing fight. But what it says in the scripture, if we go back to verse 7, what it says is that when they anointed them, does it say they anoint him by sprinkling the oil? No. Come on, little participation. No. Pouring, right? They didn't break out the eye drop and said, okay, you're anointed, and one drop falls on him. No, they said they anoint him by pouring. Everybody say pouring. The anoint oil over his head, totally covered from top to bottom. If you are going to live a life consecrated, then you need to live a life totally covered by the Holy Spirit. If you're going to live a life consecrated, then you need to make sure you give every ounce, every, every area of your life, and make sure you are covered by the Holy Spirit. Make sure that you are covered by God. 
Because there's been times in my life where I try to think that I've gotten good at this life thing and, and saying, God, I'll let you here, I'll let you there, but over here, I got it covered. God, don't worry about that. I, you can take the day off over here because I got this covered. And I think we got things figured out. Sometimes you might say, hey, well, I'm really good with my business. I'm really business smart. So, God, you can have this, you can have that, but don't touch my business. I'll run my business on my own. I know what I'm doing. I don't need it to be covered. You might say, I'm good at relationships. I, I, I'm really good at finding and connecting with people. So, God, you can have this, you can have that, but you can't have my relationships. It doesn't work like that. Because I've seen time and time again, what is not covered by God is vulnerable to the enemy. What is not covered by the Holy Spirit is vulnerable to attack. And I've realized in my life, if I'm experiencing something that is coming against me, I'm saying, God, what's going on? i got to look not at God, but look at myself and say, God, am I, am I letting you cover this? Am, am I fully committed to you in this area? Am I fully making sure that I'm, I'm covered? I'm fully making sure that I have totally given and committed everything to you in that area? Because nine times, out of, let me say this, ten times out of ten, it's not God making a mistake. It's me making a mistake. It's me saying, oh, man, I missed it right there. I, I tried to take control or I tried to do my own thing in this area. Now I realize that that it has left me vulnerable. But now, God, take it. Take it, God. Do what you want to do. Do what you want to do in my relationships. Do what you want to do in my business. Do what you want to do in my family, God, because I don't want nothing. Everybody say, we don't want nothing. Not covered by God. In Psalms 133, David, he talks about what we just reference in verse 7 about how Aaron and his descendants were covered by the oil. It says, it is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments from top to bottom. No place was uncovered. From top to bottom. No place. Everywhere God was there. That is the life that we have to live. That is how we have to live with the Holy Spirit. That's how we have to live is that we say, God, I want you everywhere. Not this in some places, not this here and there, but God, I want you everywhere. I don't want there be to be one place of my life that is not covered by God. I don't want there to be anywhere where God, your hand is not. And I'm telling you right now, if you live with that type of perspective and mindset, say, God, instead of saying, God, why am I, is my life messed up? Say, God, where am I not covered? Where have I tried to take from my own? Where have I tried to put to the side and say, God, I got this. You can stay away. Where have I done that in my life? Because I guarantee you, if you find that spot, you're going to find where your weakness is at. If you find that spot, you're going to find where you're lacking. And that is what's powerful about the Holy Spirit. Is that where we lack, he makes up the difference. Where we come up short, his spirit makes up the difference. There's been many times that I was lacking in my flesh, but thank you, Jesus, for his power and his authority. There was many times where in that traffic I wanted to, to tailgate somebody and yell at them because they cut me off. But thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit. Because he said, hold up, hold up. You don't have to live like that. There have been many times where I wanted to yell or to give up or many times where I say, God, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And I was lacking, but then I was able to tap into the power of God because I was covered because I knew I had a God. I knew I had a power and an authority that even when I am weak, he is strong. And so instead of me living and being lacking, God, I want to live a life of fulfillment. You can only live that life fully covered by 
the power of God. You can only live that life totally dedicated to God and consecrated to what he wants to do in his life. Can you stand to your feet? I'm closing this morning. I'm closing. We are covered by the Holy Spirit. Everybody say covered. We are covered by the Holy Spirit. I know sometimes we can be discouraged because sometimes as Christians we can be confused. We can think that if we live a life for Jesus, that means that's a life with no problems. We can think if we live a life for Jesus, then guess what? No drama. We think we think and tell ourselves, oh, if we live a life for Jesus, then everything's going to be easy. But here's what God promises. He doesn't promise a problem-free or drama-free or people-free, to be honest. Life. Because most of the problems are people. But what he does promise is that even when there is a problem, even when a storm comes, even when you are overwhelmed, God has you covered. Even when you are weak, even when you are at the end of your rope and you're saying, God, I don't know how this is going to happen. You can reach out to God and he's got you covered. What he promised isn't a problem-free life. But what he does promise is that you always know where your solution comes from. What he does problem, what he does promise is the answer to every problem. There's been times where we have been cars broken down, things happening recently, and I said, hey, I don't know what's going on, but let's pray because I know God has the answer for what's going on. I could try to figure this out. I could try to say maybe if I did this and maybe if I did that, but hold, let me hold my horses because I want to make sure this is covered. And I want to make sure that I have submitted. And I want to make sure that it's not my will but his will that is done. So even when we're experiencing problems we don't have the answers for, we always know what the solution is, and that's Jesus. I want us to look at this scripture in Joel chapter 2, verse 28. That's really what I believe is a signification of what we just read in 29, verse 7 of Exodus. Promising of a day to come in Joel 2, 28. It said, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out. Everybody say pour. Pour out my spirit on all flesh. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. That's you. On all flesh. Say, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Let me encourage you something real quickly, Riverside. That is today. And that is right now. You are living in the moment. You are living in the covenant. You are living in the freedom of God's spirit being poured out on all flesh. Here's the thing. We just have to be willing to accept it. We have to be willing to let God have his way. We have to be willing to say, God, I submit to you. I, God, I commit to you. God, I consecrate to you. Because that is what the Holy Spirit does is that he has us covered. Scripture actually says that if you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. I need that all the time. I need that right now. <laughs> Scripture actually says that if you don't know where to go, the Holy Spirit will be your guide. Scripture actually says that if there's anywhere you lack, 
If there's anything you need, God will provide. His Spirit will lead. His Spirit will guide. His Spirit will comfort. There's been time and time again where I thought, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know why, but I know who is going to come through for me. And it's always been Jesus. The answer has always been, how can I get more of you, God? The answer has always been, God, less of me and more of you. Less of my flesh and more of your spirit. Less of my humanity, more of your divinity. God, more of you. The answer has always been more of God. There has never been a problem in my life where I need to tell God to take a back seat. That's the wrong answer. But every time I experience something, I know that the only thing I can do is say, God, let's take over. God, just lead my steps. I shared this story with first service. I think we have enough time to share it during second service. But when I think about the Holy Spirit, I always think about this story of an East, Eastern European man in the 1920s. That he lived in a country that was lacking, that didn't have a good economy. His family was struggling. He, he worked and worked and worked, but he couldn't provide enough to house and to feed his family. But he heard about a place called America. He heard about the freedom. He heard about the prosperity. He heard that if he just could get there, then he could be able to provide. He, can be, he could be able to experience the American dream, right? He just heard about this place called America. So he, he spent months and months uh, saving up just for one ticket to go to America. And his plan was to get to America to work and to save up and bring his family over. And so he saved and saved and saved and finally had just enough to buy one ticket to go on a boat journey to America, a two-week journey. And he knew that he needed to save and he needed to pinch every penny. So what he did, he said to himself, I'm not going to pay for the food on the boat. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go and, and try to uh, spend any more money than I have to. So what he did is he brought uh, cheese and crackers with him to last the two-week journey. And he said, I'm just going to survive on these cheese and crackers because I just want to get there. All he wanted to do was just make it to America. So he gets on the boat and Day after day, he's eating those cheese and crackers. And sometimes he walks by the cafeteria and he looks in the window and he sees people just eating. Eating fresh food, eating fresh vegetables, eating, eating meats and, and good cooking. But he says to himself, I got my cheese and crackers. So he keeps on eating his cheese and crackers. He said, man, I wish I could qualify or pay for it, but I can't. I just need to eat my cheese and crackers. So he just keeps on eating his cheese and crackers day after day. And and he keeps on seeing other people enjoying and eating in the cafeteria from the outside looking in. But he says, I just, I got my cheese and crackers. I got my cheese and crackers. So he keeps on eating and, and he's just surviving on cheese and crackers. By the end of the journey, the cheese is moldy. The crackers are stale. He's barely surviving, barely holding on. And then he sees the sights of the Statue of Liberty. He comes into the New York Harbor and he says to himself, I made it. I made it. And he's looking and he He's about to step foot on land, and then the sailor comes up to him and, and says, I'm, I'm so happy for you. Congratulations, you made it. Congratulations, you made it through the journey. You made the trek. But the sailor said to the Eastern European man, he said, but I hope we didn't offend you. I hope we didn't make you mad in any ways. I, I apologize if we offended you. And, and, he, and he said, well, how could you offend me? How, what do you mean, uh, how, what do you, mean uh, you made me mad? What, what makes you say that? He says, well, why didn't you join us for dinner? 
and lunch and breakfast? Why didn't you share a meal with us? Why, why didn't you come into the cafeteria with us and share a meal and have community time and, and eat of good food? Why didn't you share a meal with us? I hope we didn't offend you. And the Eastern, Eastern European man said, well, I couldn't afford it. I was just surviving off cheese and crackers. I didn't have enough money to pay for the food. That's when the sailor said, sir, the meal was included with the ticket. The food was already paid for. You didn't have to live on cheese and crackers. You didn't have to struggle on this journey. You didn't have to just barely scratch by until you made it to the destination. And sometimes I think Christians live like that. They live on cheese and crackers while here on earth. Saying, I just want to get through this life. I just want to drag my feet. I just want to make sure I can barely make it. Because without the Holy Spirit, yeah, by the blood of Jesus, you're going to make it to heaven. But I don't want us to live on cheese and crackers. I don't want us to live on anything less than God's best. I don't want us to live this life trapped in prison. I don't want us to live this life in a, in a sense that we are dragging our feet and is barely getting by. That's not the life that God called you to live. God called you to live on a life filled with the Spirit, feeding on the fruit of the Spirit. You don't have to live on cheese and crackers while you're here on earth. But by the power and the Holy Spirit, you can be in the cafeteria enjoying the goodness. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. It's worth it. It's worth it. It is worth it. Committing yourself to God wholeheartedly is worth it. Committing yourself to the Holy Spirit is worth it. Consecrating your life, it is worth it. We're not called to live on this earth barely getting by. We're not called on this earth just scraping by, barely crawling until we get to heaven. No, we're called to live on this earth with power, with authority, going from victory to victory, strength to strength. That's just not word speech. That is the truth. That's our identity. Come with every hand lifted and eye bowed, head bowed and eyes closed. What I want to pray right now is give somebody the opportunity, the, the invitation. As our elders and pastors come to the front, if there's anybody in this house who says, I want to make sure that I am totally consecrated and giving my life over to the Holy Spirit. I want to make sure that I have been baptized by the Holy Spirit. I want to make sure that I have been in a place where I can walk in the authority and the identity that God has for me. If that is you, don't wait no longer. Don't live on cheese and crackers anymore. Come to the front. Ask for Jesus to fill you up with his spirit. Ask for God to put up the authority on the inside of you that you don't have to struggle anymore. You don't have to struggle with things that the old self did. You don't have to struggle with the same old addiction, with the same old fear, or the same old insecurity. You don't need to struggle with those things no longer, but you have the power of God on the inside of you. You have the identity of Christ on the inside of you. You no longer have to just scratch by, claw by, dragging your feet. No, you can live with the identity of Christ with power and authority. So if you're in this place and you want to make sure that you have fully committed, fully consecrated, fully gone out for the name of Jesus, come to the front. Make sure you don't miss out on this moment. You don't have to live by yourself no longer. You don't have to live lacking no longer, but you can live in the power and the authority of Jesus. You can live following after the Holy Spirit, being filled up with His power. 